As a lawn care provider, do you want to make a year-round income? Are you worried at the end of the lawn care season because you don't know how you're going to make it through the winter? Then you need to check out the 12-month contract from the Mowing in the Dark podcast. This is the same contract that Aaron uses to grow his lawn care business. This 100% editable 12-month contract template is available for only $5.99. The contract has rock-solid terms and conditions, so you are protected from all kinds of liability in lawn maintenance and snow removal. Get your 12-month contract at mowinginthedarkpodcast.com today. I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter. Thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, right off the rip, I want to apologize that this episode is coming out so late in the day. It has been a whirlwind of a day for me here. Uh, it has just been unbelievably busy. Uh, I sp- I've spent all day trying to get all of my contracts ready to go for the lawn care season. The reason I'm doing it now at the end of February is because I have a bunch of prepay accounts. They So they pay a month ahead. And so I have to get those ready now because their first invoice is going to go out on March 1st. And so I have to get those things ready. So they're ready to go out on, what is it, Monday, Tuesday, so, something like that, Wednesday? I don't know. So I've got to get those things ready to go. So I'm, I spent all day getting those set up and ready to send out. So I'm still not quite there, but we're getting there. Um, My computer is in use right now. My son Marcus actually filmed himself today for our second channel, which is the Sutter Family Homestead channel. And you can find that on YouTube if you're interested. You don't have to look it up, but that we're we've started a second channel and so it's been really really busy around here uh because i'm filming three times a week for this podcast plus recording the podcast then i'm trying to do one video a week for the lansing lawn service youtube channel just at, on a, as a standalone video for you guys and now we also have a sutter family homestead video that comes out once a week so It has gotten super busy around here, but we love it. We're excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun this year. Uh, I may have to cut down on the episodes on the podcast that I'm doing this year. I don't know. We'll see. I want to try to keep it to three episodes a week, but we will just see how that works out because we are going to be super busy this year. All that being said, guys, today is a Faith Friday. The way we do Faith Friday here, we don't necessarily do like a little devotional or whatever. We take a chapter of the Bible out of a specific book, uh, and right now we are in Ephesians. So we're going to do Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read through the entire chapter, and then we're going to go back to the beginning, and we're going to go through it verse by verse and kind of break it down a little bit. So... 
that's how I do it here. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar. I didn't go to Bible school, none of that stuff. I just love the Word of God, and I love sharing it with people, and hopefully you like listening to it. Uh, if you're at home, grab your Bible, read along. It, if you have a different translation than I have, I'm using the NIV. If you have a different translation, great. That will open up a whole new world of insight for you. And so I, I encourage you, if you're at home, grab your Bible, read along. Other than that, guys, I'm battling a cold. I'm going to be sniffling here a little bit. Uh, if I have to do a really big sniff or whatever, I'm going to try to pause it. And, and you guys won't even know, but I'm going to try to do that so that you guys don't get grossed out while listening to the podcast. Okay, so let's jump into Ephesians Chapter 4. All right, here we go. Verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does, it, what does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower, earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of crafty and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, Due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a carnal lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of, you heard of him and were taught in him 
in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be benef- that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, who with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And that ends Ephesians chapter 4. I've said it many, many a time, and I'll say it again. Paul knows how to write a really good run-on sentence. Uh, and he, he can get very tongue-twisty when he writes. So it, sometimes it can be kind of difficult to read Paul's writings. So Ephesians 4... Again, the book of Ephesians is written to the church of Ephesus. It's written by Paul. If you're new here, just to get you up to speed a little bit. If you haven't listened to the rest of the the Ephesians series, you should go back to the beginning, start at Ephesians 1. It's very good. The book of Ephesians is very good. All right, so let's go back to chapter 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So, when I was reading this earlier, I've spent two weeks now reading over Ephesians 4, because last week we didn't do a Faith Friday episode, because my family and I, we were gone in Louisville. So, we didn't do a Faith Friday, but every time I've read this, I thought Paul was saying here that he is a prisoner for the Lord. And what I just realized is that no, we are prisoners of the Lord. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. We are called to be prisoners of the Lord. Did you know that? That's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, guys, We have chosen to be prisoners of the Lord. We have given ourselves to the Lord. We're his servants. We're we're essentially bond servants. We, we We have given our lives to Christ. We are now prisoners to the Lord. All right? Verse two, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So Paul is writing to the church here and he's saying, again, as, as you know, for your calling in the Lord, as a prisoner, 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another. We see this all the time in church. We argue. We fight. We we don't get along with people. Paul is saying here, you've got to get along. In the church, you've got to get along. And this is, yes, this is specifically written to the church at Ephesus, but we can we can take a lot of this for ourselves because our churches are the same. They're the same. We we all struggle with this stuff because we're human. All right? Completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit that's the Holy Spirit, through the bond of peace. So as we keep peace in the church, that that creates unity. Now, we can't always have peace. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to disagree with one another. My, my church that I go to, we do Sunday school. So we have a, a, an adult Sunday school class that meets in the sanctuary, and we get to arguing sometimes, and it's okay because we're all learning. And you know, maybe we, we seem at the time like we are stuck in our ways, but we think about that stuff over the week and we realize that, hey, I need to change this. That my view on this as we study it isn't right. And so, yes, we argue about it, but we come to a, compl- to a place of change. Verse 4, there is no, I'm sorry, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope, or I'm sorry, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. So there's there's one body, there's one church, is what Paul is saying here, and there's one spirit. So we are church, the church, global, okay? And, and there's one spirit, the Holy Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, so we have one hope, and that's Jesus Christ. Uh, let's see, where was I? To one hope when you, were, when you were called. Verse 5, one Lord. Again, he's just expounding on what he just said. One Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There's only one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So he's just saying that God is everything. He's in everything. He's over everything. He's in charge. All right. Verse seven. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So what he's saying here now to each one of us, grace has been given to us apportioned to our sin. Apparently that's what it's, that's what I'm getting here. Verse seven again, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Now, Christ gave his life, so he gave a full portion, right? And so that covers our sin. Verse 8, this is why it says, so now this is a quote, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. So that he's quoting from the Old Testament, probably one of the prophets. It doesn't say which here, but um, that's why captives, that's us. That's us. We were captives. Verse nine. It, this is in parentheses here. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower, to earth, earthly regions, 
verse 10. He who descended is the very one who ascended, went back up, higher than all the heavens, in order to fill the whole universe. So what he's saying here is that God came down to the universe, to or to earth, and now he ascended higher than the heavens, like, the, like he says here, and then he's talking about the Holy Spirit in order to fill the whole universe. All right, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. So we're not all called to be a pastor. We're not all called to be teachers. We're not all called to be prophets or apostles. In fact, there was only really 12, I held up two, but there's only been 12 apostles. I guess you could say 13 because Judas was in there. And so, you know, Judas died, so they replaced him. So essentially there was 13 apostles. Um, but we weren't all called to be these things. All right. Some of us were called to be worship leaders. I'm called to be a song leader at my church. I, I know for a fact, I prayed 10 years ago, 10 years ago, that God, if you want me to continue, if you want me to lead worship in any capacity, you're going to have to send someone to ask me because I'm not going to force my way in. I had done that before and I was miserable. All right. I was miserable. So two years ago, the church that I attend now, my church that I grew up in and then left for 20 years and now came back, someone came to me and asked me, would you lead singing? And there, there I had it. I had my answer. God wanted me to lead singing in this particular church. And I do hymns there. I don't do... I don't do any of the, the modern choruses or anything like that. I do hymns. Why do I do hymns? Well, there's a couple other song leaders. They do more of the, the updated choruses and things like that. I feel in my heart that I am, I am called to lead hymns. Do I care for hymns all the time? No, but I feel that in my heart, that is what I am called to do. And so that's what I do. If you go to a church and they're only playing the modern worship stuff and they don't go back and play old songs, like the old hymns that have meat and potatoes, they might not be leading from a place of calling. They might be leading from a place of selfishness because I've done that. I've done that. I've been there. And so you have to watch out for that. I'm not saying that that's true of your worship leader at your church, but trust me, you need to get back into those old hymns, at least read through them, just reading through them. If you compare a, a hymn from, from the 1800s to a song today, the hymn from the 1800s will by far put that new chorus to shame lyrically because it is full of just truth of theology of doctrine today's songs are basically only about love that 
and it gets boring, guys. I'm just going to be honest. That gets boring. Yes, God is love. He is all loving, but he's also justice and many other things. And so we forget about that because we just keep going in love. We just sing about love. We sing our theology. We sing our doctrine and that helps us remember it. So if we're not doing that, then we're not learning that theology that we should be learning. We're not learning that doctrine that we should be learning. That's what these old hymns were so good for. And it, it, it's just amazing. It's amazing when you find a church that sings hymns, and then you find a church that only sings like the modern worship choruses, worship songs, the depth of the people that go to the hymn singing church compared to the depth of spirituality that the people at the worship song uh, church have is night and day difference. It is night and day. I, I don't know how else to explain it or say it. There might be a few people that are deep in the, in the worship chorus or worship song church, but by and large, they are, they're shallow. It's just what the music it's what the music is, all right? If you go to a church, you will notice that, that the way the music goes is the way the church goes. The, if lyrically, the, the, the music is chuck full of theology and meat and doctrine, you're going to have a, a, a more mature church. If you go to a church that leads mostly worship songs, you're going to have a mostly immature church because it's just what it is. They don't sing about doctrine anymore or theology anymore. And so it's just shallowness. I have found this to be utterly true many, many times. So I would encourage you to do your own test. Even visit a, a hymn singing church for three weeks in a row. All right. Get to know some people there and then visit another church or go back to your church that sings only worship choruses and get to know people there. You will see a big difference in the way they speak, in the way they talk, and in the way they hold themselves. Okay, let's keep going here. Verse 12. Uh, let's see, pastors and teachers, verse 12, to be prepared, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. All right. So he's talking about the, the Holy spirit giving these gifts so that the body of Christ can be built up. All right. For these works of service, a pastor is a servant. A teacher is a servant. A prophet is a servant evangelists are servants. Apostles are servants. If you find that where you're at, the, the pastor is not a servant, he's not giving any other time than when he is on at, in the pulpit. That's a bad sign. You got it. You got to check that out. Okay. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of his son in the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. All right, so to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Until we all reach unity. That's the thing I want you to think about here. 
we will not be completely unified until we reach heaven. Verse 13 again, until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're not going to reach full maturity until we get to heaven. We're not going to, we're not going to be fully mature until we get to heaven. We can't attain that until we get there. And how do I know that? Because it says attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ. All right. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So have you ever seen an infant in the ocean? They, they get plowed over by the waves. They're tossed all over the place. If they go in deep enough, many times they don't get get in deep enough. Sometimes it's funny though, to, to see a little child get blown over by the waves. It's also kind of sad, but it's pretty funny. And then when the wind blows, a small child can get knocked over by the wind. And, and what Paul is saying here is that we're being blown to and fro because we're infants, we're small children. And, and we're, we're being led astray by teaching. Who's teaching? By pastors teaching, by pastors teaching, and by their cunning and craftiness, the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. There are pastors who do do scheme to lead people astray. I know that's, that's hard to understand, but that's true. There are people, there are pastors in the United States today who, who scheme to lead people astray astray. Maybe they don't understand what they're doing, but that's what they're doing. And then there's also worldly teachers who are leading people astray as well. So we got to watch out for that too. We got to, we got to try and wake up and pay attention as the church. Verse 15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. So, how do we how do we avoid being tossed to and fro and all that stuff? Well, we got to we got to grow up. And he says here, Paul says here instead speaking the truth in love. So instead of scheming and being deceitful and cunning, we need oops, I'm sorry here guys. I'm trying to move my screen so I don't look at myself in the screen. Um, so instead we need to speak the truth in love. We got to stop scheming. We got to stop cunning. We've got to speak the truth in love. We will all, let's see here. We will in all things grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. When we start doing this stuff, when we start speaking the truth in love, that's when we start growing up into the head, into Christ Jesus. Verse 16, from him, the whole body joining and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul is just, he's talking again about the body of Christ. When we all work together, 
every ligament, every organ, every bone, everything, when it all works together, then it builds it builds the church up. And it builds it builds that body. It builds the church up so that we're strong and we can do our work. Verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in futility of their thinking. So Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. By and large, the church at Ephesus was a Gentile church. All right. The Gentiles just meaning they weren't Jews. And so we, the Jews had a long history of living pretty good. I mean, of course there's bad apples in every bunch, but He's saying here, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Don't live your old life anymore. Don't live in that same thinking anymore. Verse 18, they are darkened in their thinking, in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So if you're not in Christ, your heart is hardened. Your heart is hardened to Christ. The Bible says that we cannot get to Christ. That It says that in Romans, that we, we cannot be good on our own. We can't. And so they're darkened in their thinking and in their hearts. They're hardened. Verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. He's just explaining what the world is. He's explaining the world. So not the church, but the world. Everyone outside of the church, they have, they have just this this desire for sensuality and lust. And we see that in today's culture, every single commercial on TV, every ad, every television show, it's all about lust and, and just the, the lust of wanting sexual immorality and, and things and stuff. And just, it, it's, it's sickening. It's sickening. Verse 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. So you didn't come to know Christ through through this thinking, through this pattern of thinking, this this sensuality, this lust, this desire for more. You didn't you didn't come to Christ that way. Verse 21. Surely you heard of him of him Jesus Christ. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Remember back when when Paul says, speak the truth in love. All right? So surely you heard of him and were taught in him, Jesus Christ, in accordance with the truth that is Jesus. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, to throw it away which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Your human desires are what can keep you from Christ. Your own human desires 
It's, it's not just Satan. It's not just the devil. It's your own self. You do not want to come to Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. In and of yourself, unless you are called by the Holy Spirit, you will not come to Christ. That's what he's saying here. Verse 23. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. So you need to be made new. You've got to be made new in every way. Let's go back to verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, your sensuality, your lust, your, your, your craving for more, uh, to put off your old self. So throw that old self off. Unzip it like a suit, like a, like a, like a wetsuit. Just unzip it and take that thing off. Peel that thing off, the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, its own deceitful, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So it starts in the mind. You have to renew your mind. Remember, renew your mind. Verse 24, and to put on the new self. So now you have a new self in Christ Jesus. When you choose to follow Christ, you are putting on, you're choosing to put on a new self. All right. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now we will not fully get there. That's what Paul has been saying this whole time is that we will not fully get there until we reach heaven. However, we will get there when we get to heaven. For now, God is continually working and sanctifying us. All right? But we will not be fully sanctified until we get to heaven. Verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Now, who is the neighbor here that he's talking about? It's your fellow churchgoer. All right. Speak the truth in love. If you see somebody that's putting back, putting on that wetsuit again, they're putting on that old flesh. You have to speak the truth to them in love. You have to speak to them in love. You have to tell them, hey, I see where you're going here. It's not a good road. Remember where you came from. Remember you were, you were lost. You remember you're putting on that wetsuit again. You're, you're zipping it up. You got to take that thing off and throw it away. Verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. This is like in the middle of a paragraph. So what is Paul trying to say here? How does this fit in with verse 25? Speak truthfully to his neighbor. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. So what is Paul saying here? Well, he's saying, if you need to speak to someone, I, I, I think this is what he's saying here. If you need to speak to your neighbor in love, you might go to him and be angry. You, pro- you very well could be angry. Do not, in your anger, do not sin. Go to your neighbor in love. Even if you're angry, do not sin. Go to them in love. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. A lot of people refer to this in marriage like, don't go to bed mad. Don't go to bed mad. Don't don't go to bed. Well, sometimes you do. And it's okay because you sleep on it. You go to bed. You sleep. 
you realize, you know what? I love this person. I, I truly adore my wife. And I'm going to go to her and I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Sometimes you got you to gotta sleep on it. Uh, let's see. Verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. Some people will say that going to bed angry, that gives devil a foothold. I don't think so. Just don't let, don't let the sun go down on your anger. I think that's a visual. Like, don't, don't let, don't let your anger consume you. Don't let it consume you. Don't let the sun set on that. Verse 20, 28. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Okay, this is what I think Paul is saying here. Yes, he gives the example of stealing. And and that's good and that's right. You Once you come to Christ, you got to stop stealing. All right, that's a sin. Stealing is a sin. But what about all the other things? Lust. Um, sexual immorality, all of those things. I think Paul is just using stealing as an example here. I think what he's saying here is when you come to Christ, when you become a part, when you choose to be a part of the body of Christ, you have to throw these things off and turn around and do the opposite of whatever it was that you were doing. No longer steal. No longer no longer commit adultery, no, ma- no longer lust, no longer sin, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, knock it off. That's what he's saying. Turn from it. You must do something useful with your hands that he may, so we're just adding in here, that he may have something to share with those in need. All right. And I'm just inferring that maybe Paul doesn't mean that throw off all those different sins. Maybe he is just specifically talking about stealing here, but I think it could apply to every single sin that we do. Okay. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. All right. So this one is convicting, right? Verse 29, do not let any any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be, that it may benefit those who listen. So I am guilty of this. I, I spent a lot of years thinking that I, excuse me, thinking that I was a Christian, but I was, I talked nasty. I mean, I, it was bad, like coarse joking, all that stuff. It wasn't, wasn't good at all. It was, it was bad. And so I, I see a lot of people who do a lot of coarse joking, who are saying that they're Christians that doesn't benefit anyone. It doesn't benefit anyone, including yourself. You're just sitting there, you're talking nasty and you don't need to, you don't need to make nasty jokes. You don't need to talk nasty. Verse 29 again, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Build each other up. Coarse joking, making fun of people, doing all that stuff that doesn't build people up. And I still have to work on that is making fun of people. Um, 
and I, it's not, I don't do it in a, in a mean spirited way, but I still make, you know, I crack a joke about somebody or whatever. And it's, it's not, it's not like it's, it's dirty joking or anything like that. It's just, I, I find something funny. So I make a joke, but it, it, it could be hurting someone's feelings. Right. And it doesn't build anyone up. Uh, what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, their needs, not your needs, their needs, right? Um, that it may benefit those who listen. So whenever you say something, consider those who are listening, right? Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? I think what it means, you know, I don't even know. I don't even want to speculate what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me go to my commentary here. This is verse 30. Let's see if I can find it quickly here. Um, let's see. Verse 30. Uh, good grief. They got a lot on verse 29. Here we go. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, this is William MacDonald. This is the Believer's Bible Commentary, okay? If there is taken in connection with the preceding verse, it means that worthless talk grieves the Spirit. All right, so if, if you take that verse in connection with verse 29, worthless talk grieves the spirit. That makes sense to me. So that I think William McDonald is right. Worthless talk, worthless talk grieves the spirit. And I got to work on that still. I've come a long way, but I got a long way to go. I've still got to work on it. Um, just yesterday, my wife was, you know, telling me something about, you know, something that affected her in her childhood. And though it was just the way she said it was so funny to me. And I started laughing and I cracked a joke and it really hurt her feelings. I got to do way better. I got to do way better because that didn't build her up at all. It tore her down because it, it was, it was her who was listening. So I got to do way better at that. Verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, fighting, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of all that stuff. Get rid of the bitterness. There's a lot of people that just cannot let go of bitterness in their life. And then slander, again, talking bad about people, like gossip. God hates gossip more than anything else. I think God hates the sin of gossip uh, along with every form of malice. And I think malice kind of, I would kind of in include that in gossip. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. And that ends Ephesians 4. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Don't be coarse joking. Don't be making fun of people. Be kind, compassionate. If someone's hurting, if someone falls down and trips, don't laugh. Help them up. Say, are you okay? Show concern. Build them up. Show compassion to one another. Forgiving each other when you 
make mistakes, when you hurt someone, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. That's a good word for today, guys. So I know this was a long one. This was a really long one, but um, Paul just got really winded in, in long-winded, I should say, in Ephesians chapter 4. So it, it is what it is. I could have split it into two, but then I thought it would be a little too short. So anyway, guys, that concludes Ephesians chapter 4. Next week, we'll be jumping into Ephesians chapter 5, and hopefully I can get this out much earlier next week than I did this week. Uh But guys, that's it for this episode. I hope that you uh, have a great week this week. I hope that you dig into the word. I hope that you study it and don't just read it. That That you pray and that your prayer is that you will be sanctified through the reading of the word of God. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening and watching. And I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.